the Wizards of Drivel podcast, episode 77. An administration error, first and foremost, in last week's pod, where I said, play Hughes Knight music now. I should have actually played the music from Newsnight. It was a foolish error on my part, and I am truly, truly sorry for an unprofessional... I go away for one week, Chris. (laughs) One week I've been away. It falls apart. I know, I know. I'm really, really sorry. Uh, But, you know, not one to miss out on um, BBC political show references. Tonight we are going to be doing question time, as a pause in club football allows us an opportunity to answer some much-needed questions on Stoke and football in general. On the panel this week, after his return last week, it's a welcome hello to Ben Cartwright, very much the journo regular of the Question Time panel. Hello, Ben, how are you? Hi, uh, I'm fantastic. I'm so excited to be on again. Um, what a streak <laughs> I'm on at the moment. I just <sighs> Two weeks in a row? Two weeks in a row. Yeah, there we I go. Know. Who would have thought? Who ex- well exactly? Here we are. He's like Nigel Farage. He's <laughs> well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say that. And and well, you can hear his voice there. Very much the Gordon Brown of uh, politics returning to give the current leadership some much welcomed credibility. It's our very own uh, Dave Cowlishaw out from the cold, back in maybe for a week, just because uh, we we've got a lot of questions to talk about. Are you all right, Dave? I'm not really here, Chris. This <laughs> this is like uh, when David Brent comes back in the office with his dog. I'm, really, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> oh I'm my still gosh. on holiday. You're still on holiday. Well, it's very nice to have you both back. Um, we've got a few oh. questions that have been sent to us uh, over the past week. Some are uh, quite, you know... Uh, topical and in-depth questions some are downright ridiculous but we'll start with a question that is uh, I don't know relevant to us at the moment looking at Stoke City this comes from at upstream full on Twitter says do you feel the next two games at Brighton and Palace will shape our season in terms of being sucked into a relegation scrap or it's a question that I think I kind of don't want to address but uh, Dave We'll start with you. What do you think? Um, I don't know if there have been many kind of season-defining games in the last couple of seasons. I think that perhaps if we were to lose both of them, then maybe we would uh, see that as kind of season-defining in terms of getting sucked into the relegation battle. And if we won both of them, we'd probably say, oh, right, we'll be fine again this season and we'll, we'll look to kick on from there. But... I don't think we will either lose both of them or win both of them. I think we'll get somewhere between two and four points. So I don't think they're season-defining any more so than Bournemouth and uh, whoever we played last. Who did we play last? Uh, We played Watford. And Leicester. Leicester was the last one. Yeah, exactly. And, And... clearly as you can tell by how much I forgot about them that they weren't exactly season defining <laughs> games either so yeah I don't I'm not going to read too much uh, into these next two games unless we do lose both of them and everything will just be on fire and horrible <laughs> do, you, do you I mean do you think and Ben this extends to you do you think that if we were to go on and lose these games that Hughes's position would be a bit untenable and in that way it would be a defining moment of the season or do you think that regardless of what happens in the next two games everything is fine and everything will remain as 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 is I don't I think, think Hughes if, will be sacked 
Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think I think it was sort of be a, a Boris Johnson situation if we're doing Question Time, where potentially he probably <laughs> should have lost his job at that point, but he probably still won't. Um, and I love I love Dave's point there earlier about the being sort of no season defining games in the last two seasons and I would love to know the definition of Stoke um, for the last two seasons if anyone knows the answer to that one then send them into the podcast I guess but yeah it's going to be it's probably going to be depressing isn't it let's be honest after these two games (laughs) is there a situation where we come out of it with smiles on our faces I'm struggling Um, but it's like a Morrissey album (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you might be able to find some something to like about it, but overall you're gonna be depressed. <laughs> yeah. What what a great analogy. There we go. We're not I mean, repeat. Repeat. Yeah. On the flip side, if we were to go into these two games and win them, do you think that that would make that them very much the turning point for what has been a rather meh open opener to the season? Have you seen Crystal Palace? Well, that's they're terrible. Th- they're terrible, but they're always that team. They've been terrible for se- like years, and then we always go there and get hammered. Like last year with the four mm. 0 defeat, like we weren't expecting that type of defeat because it's Palace and they were awful. Like if we can go there and get a win, part of me does feel like if you could get two wins back to back, God, that would kind of change a little it, bit of momentum. That, sure. that would meet would expectation. Be... <laughs> wow. well, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm. I'm definitely not expecting us to to beat uh, both of them. But if we did beat both of them, you know, uh, perhaps there would be a certain uh, oomph and optimism about the place that there hasn't been in a while. Perhaps we've seen little percolations of it with the Leicester point and the Watford win. But uh, if we did win both, that would be three wins and a draw out of the last four games. So yeah. that's. That's potentially very exciting, but you know, not getting carried away. No, I, I, I feel like I agree. Like, I'm sure if we lose both games and we lose them horribly, I'll be very, very cross and very angry, and I'll say some things very similar to like saying that, oh, this is this is the end, etc. But <laughs> it would be, I don't know. The season is not dis- decided at that point, and there is still a lot to play for, and there's a lot that can change, and yeah, maybe. Maybe it won't be the season-defining moment that we fear. No. Did you guys? If, did you guys watch the England game on Friday? I didn't watch it. I was. I was. I was at the dogs. Um, but I've heard a lot. Of, I've seen a lot on Twitter. Can I just point out to the listeners that Ben is currently wearing a flat cap? Now, oh like a ben, ben has lived in the north for. I, I don't bit. know how long you've, you've lived in the bit. north, Ben, but. Year and a bit, and you're wearing a flat cap, and you've just been to the dogs. Now, if the Coronation Street theme tune starts playing behind him, I'm going to consider that racist. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Chris, do you want to remind yourself to play the Coronation Street music here and then forget at a later time? Maybe, Um, maybe, yes. No, but I've seen a lot of people saying that England sort of were exciting because they played youth, and I'm wondering maybe that's exactly what Stoke needs to do now. Is I I don't know if you guys watched it. That was that was my point. That I don't know if that's sort of that was the way it was. That even though it was nil nil, uh, youth players came it in. It was and were exciting. on in the pub, but um, I was very okay. much just indifferently glancing over at it, so yeah. can't <laughs> really say. There we yeah. go. Anyway, moving on. No, no, yeah. Well, moving on, we will move to. A question. Let's do a question on international football while we're at it. Then, 
because obviously it's the international break. We've I've not watched the England game. Dave had it on in the background. Ben, you didn't care. Is this because international football is ace or awful? What do we think? Mm. International football is fantastic. Yes. And now, the there is always whenever an international break comes around, there is the oh, can't believe we're missing out on Stoke to put this crap England-friendly dirge fest on. Which I understand, that's fair enough. But I implore you to look outside of England when talking about the international break. The international break produces just the absolute pinnacle of sporting, let alone football, drama. Now, the case in point would not be this international break. Although, having said that, we've just watched a quite a tense like engrossing encounter between Switzerland and Northern Ireland that could have gone either way. It was very exciting. The international break before this, we had the kind of last rounds of qualification across the world in various different continents. We saw Syria nearly get a result against Australia. We saw Argentina get dragged through by Lionel Messi, just just absolutely taking uh, Ecuador to pieces up in the mountains somewhere. Then you had Panama... Going right, let, let, just as how mad this is. Panama got to the World Cup at the expense of the United States of America, and then you had Egypt's qualification, Tunisia's qualification, and there's been plenty, plenty more. And like when Ireland beat Wales, that was just fantastic as well. All these fantastic stories just go on all the time in international football, and they don't get kind of recognised because of how boring England are to watch, and it's not fair. International football is brilliant. I think, yeah, and, and that's I think that's the point. I think international football gets mixed up with England, doesn't it? England football, England, England international football, because England international football is terrible and boring. <laughs> I mean, I've I've had I had arguments with my my dad and uncle in the past when I was a bit younger, being like, oh, I never, I'll always love England. I'll watch them and be passionate about them. I didn't even hardly know what happened on Friday night, but because it already. Just like a couple of years after having this big argument, being like, oh, it's a joke that you don't care anymore. Because it's just so predictable and so boring. And it's and it, I, I think my point would be what Dave and I have been doing, and Chris, you've been involved as well in, in the Who Are You podcast, is it does open your eyes up to different stories that maybe you wouldn't see otherwise. And I think that's the point here, that it's not like, oh, Stoke have played badly this weekend, so I hate Premier League football, I hate football domestically in the UK. No, I, I just hate the fact that Stoke have lost or I hate the fact that Stoke aren't playing particularly interestingly. And it's the exact same thing with, with England and how they play. It's not that you hate international football, it's that you hate watching England. And that's completely fair enough in my point, but you just need to, broad, as Dave says, broaden the horizons a bit and, and have a look elsewhere maybe. But even, even England, uh, you know, we won the under-17s World Cup, which was just fantastic. They won the under-20s yeah. World Cup. And but whilst yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can't get too carried away and stuff, I think even in this England senior team, there are like there are players I like. I think there's, perhaps compared to previous England teams, there's a lot of likeable guys in there. Maybe we're not as good, you know, in terms of quality and stuff. But I don't, like, hate England and I do get bored of... I'd get bored of talking about how boring England are in a sense. Um, but yeah, um, by the way, I think, Ben, you've definitely seen this video as well. Uh, Copa 90 have done a video about Argentina's World Cup qualification that kind of mixes in all the 
other teams I mentioned earlier and that kind of mad few days of World Cup qualification that went on that's just a fantastic watch it's it's a great uh, like 12 minute documentary I'm sh- I'm sure like a, lo- a lot of people who listen to this will be familiar with like Copa Knight's work but like yeah they are the the real champions of like international football outside of the UK and mm. I mean just a lot like a lot of their documentaries are just absolutely they're the best, phenomenal they're, yeah they're the best thing on YouTube yeah. football wise definitely I would the, 100% it, recommend them it's still a shame though with Copa, Copa 90 I, I find it such a shame because those documentaries although like I watch them and love them they don't get the most views on that channel I think it's a great show I think if you haven't watched it you really yeah. should because Mm. And I, I don't yeah. get it because every time that pops up onto my onto my YouTube front page, I'm like, yes, bang on, this is I'm going to yeah. love this, and I always do. But it's the sort of <laughs> although they're you might find them funny. I kind of sometimes do poet and Vuj do their thingy, and it's like on a on a sofa, like that gets hundreds of thousands of views. But the, it would like, the, the, like just like FIFA videos get the, the, yeah like loads yeah. of views, and like it's just I'm opening a pack. Fucking <laughs> 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 subscribe. <laughs> Like, and, and this isn't obviously international football related, but they did, um, Co- uh, Copper United did a series um, a few years back where that Ellie or Eli or how, I don't know how you say it, mm. the, the Australian Eli lad Mangum. who yeah. is the presenter, they did a, a series called Derby Days where the first series was going around all like world famous, like mm. old firm, classico. Mm. The second season they did it, he went around all the derbies of like, that you've not really heard of. And it's an like genuinely if you can find the playlist sit if yeah. you've got like an hour or two spare watch every single one because it's like it, it, it's football that you just watch and you're just like yeah I, I wish we had some of that passion like somewhere it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that should be on national mainstream TV oh yeah it's like that it's that good a production it's not like filmed on your phone kind of yeah. away day stuff it's genuinely like uh, this is turning into an advert for them now, but it's like <laughs> if it's they want to sponsor, genuinely like... fantastic content. Yeah, it really is, and like, like I like that they in those documentaries they try and stay away from cliches and the mainstream, like like the Derby Days one. They try they they moved away from like the mainstream Barcelona, Real Madrid. So they tried to do something mm. different, bring you something you've never seen before. Yes, recommend them, but international football. It's all right, isn't it? Um, all right, let's move on. We'll do a, a, a interesting question uh, from SCFC Jace, Jace of this parish. He says, "You're allowed one major fast food outlet, cafe, or food chain next to the Bets <laughs> Three Six Five for match days. What do you pick?" Oof! Huge question. question. Maybe it's the a, biggest it's a question we've question. ever been asked. Um, I don't want to put labels on it, but pretty big pretty big now let me if, if you if you'll allow me to give you my idea my thought was i didn't want to go down like a burger joint uh type chain because we already have a lot of like the burger vans outside the ground i don't want them to lose out to some like chain coming in that's fair and there is that uh like pub across the road that will do just like pub meals and things like that mm. so i was thinking maybe you go down a different route now stoke are always trying to you know appeal broadly catch you know become almost international in its approach so i was thinking why not go with the popular chain wagamamas so you wow. can have some uh, yeah yeah teriyaki chicken before you go into the game 
maybe it's purely because I like Wagamamas. I mean, that's okay. Can I confess, I've, I've never been to a Wagamamas. Dave, we will go. My eyes are shook. <laughs> I mean, you're... you're I well, that's waggers. my idea. I love waggers. I mean, ben? my counter to waggers would be that it would just be the sort of time that it takes to get, to actually have the meal. I know it's a, a quick mm. restaurant meal, but it is a sit-down meal. Um, and I'm wondering if I go to soak, do I want that all the time? Maybe I probably do because I, I love Wagamamas and I love noodles <laughs> and and everything in that sort of region of things. Um, my idea for a for a chain, I don't know the specific name of the chain, but it's the something that's become definitely more popular in um, England in recent years. Burritos, I bloody love burritos, Ooh. and you can have them on the go. They've got a lot of a lot of rice and stodge in there, so they can. If you want a couple of beers, you won't get too drunk um, and <laughs> There, you can you can have vegetarian options. You've got your meats. You've got your cheeses. You've got your guacamoles and your sour creams. Um, that's how you make burritos. I love them, and they're quick, relatively. But they're not. They're quick, but they're not Subway. They're not sort of. Oh, they haven't taken over the world just yet. We're not uber capitalist. We're just sort of. Oh, a, a chain that's done well in England. I don't know. I don't. Bar Burrito. I think there's one in Manchester or something like that. They they'll be they'll do. They'll do. Yeah, Dave. good. That's a fair shout. Um, I have also gone down the kind of uh, speed route. Uh, you want something quick. You want something filling. You don't want. You don't want to wait around. Essentially, uh, so Greg's in it. <laughs> like, who can possibly <laughs> object to a Greg's? It was only one answer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How many Greg's? I mean, around this. Uh, Obviously, you're famous for your tours of Greg, so I, I don't it? want to just limit you to one. Yeah. I, th- I think perhaps one in each corner, like the pubs at Griffin Park. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, sum it, sum it for everyone. Just bing, bam, boom. I mean, th- I, I regularly go and see, well, I used to regularly go and see AFC Filed, and they've got a, a Greg's right next to the ground. It's just, just so convenient. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, Greg's is probably the most uh, handy solution to the to fast food. But I mean, burritos are a good choice. I am willing to concede that Wagamama's is just my own personal fantasy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and therefore it's probably not the most. I can't, I can't believe none of us have said like an oat cake shop or something. Well, but the thing is, there's, like, the, boat there's the boat cake. There's the boat cake, I suppose. And yeah, like, we don't want some sort of Starbucks esque oat cake company opening up next to the Brit and ruining the market. <laughs> oh dear, Dragon's Den. <laughs> yeah, like chain oat cake. Nice. <laughs> right. Well, whilst you're planning that pitch, um, let's move on to a question from Tom uh, Thrower at Sussex Stokey. Boo. He says, aside from me, which is who is the best guest you've had on the pod? Now, just to point out, aside <laughs> from him, like that's I mean that's that's presumptuous, isn't it? Bless him. Yes. Definitely. But best guest on the pod. I mean, like obviously we've had some fantastic interview ease. Um, yes. I mean, you were the person who met Danny Higginbottom. What did you What did you think with him, Dave? Uh, he He was a very very nice man, very honest man. Uh, just a great chat to speak to. I mean, that hour did fly by. It so he was, he would definitely be up there. I can't think of like a definite, you know, top answer that. Uh, springs to mind. I I would say that um, Susan Gardner, who wrote the Frank Sue yes. autobiography, she was great to speak to. Leon Court was great to speak to, and even just some of the kind of uh, replacement Chris's and Ben's we've had down the years. 
that have, that have filled your shoes when you've been away. Uh, I can't think of uh, any bad ones at all. So, but I think just in terms of like my experience and stuff, uh, it's Gordon Banks. Uh, it was only five Gosh. minutes, but wow, what a five minutes! And I, I shook the hand that saved that Pele goal at the World Cup. So uh, that was like a yeah. dream come true for me. So Banksy. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't really uh, pick other people apart from legends of the game. The saying that uh, I think we should special mention to to Ivan of the Russian uh, mm. fan club Russian because oh, he his accent was ace when he came on the pod, and of course Zach Zach he comes on and speaks conspiracy theories sometimes, and he has that American accent of his, doesn't he? So that's so nice. ba- basically what you're saying is. Either you have to be a folk legend, or yeah, or foreign <laughs> to be on the on the on the list of of top wizards of dribble guests. I mean, just briefly mentioning D- Daniel Higginbotham again. I don't know if you guys heard, but um, he wanted the players to lose in the final that he didn't play. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> Bit niche. It's that, an outrage. It's Come a to look- think of it, he might have mentioned something to me about that. <laughs> if only I'd have paid attention. Um, I, on Ivan, uh, isn't he now like super duper? Uh, yeah. Russian football journalist now. Yeah, yeah, he works for Locomotive Moscow, and every nice. time I see him like updating his Facebook page, he's in some new stadium doing like club journalism stuff. It's it's brilliant. I'm very happy for him. Of course, it's controversial because he's actually a Cska Moscow fan, not Locomotive. <gasps> but don't, don't tell them that. Well, well, when he no, so when he got the job, I messaged him saying, "Well, that's going to be a bit dodgy." And he's, he turned in to me and he, well, he messaged me back saying, "Look, at least it's not Spartak." And like, <laughs> so he, he he weighed it up clearly. I mean, John Sidaway is a West Brom fan, so oh yeah, you know. That's that. It happens. That might even be worse. I don't know. Boo. Um, let's uh, move on. A bigger question. Let's move to. Hey, we'll do this one from my other half, Stacy, who says, and she's been asking. She she wanted us to do this as a big discussion point, actually. But I'll throw it at you now. When weighing up all factors in the game, talent, excitement, etc., which is the better league of? football to enjoy is it the Premier League or Championship Oof. now um, I mean her, her point was she came at this from a well like I don't know the, the Championship just seems much more authentic as a league and I, yeah. I, I understand that point yeah I think there is a certain degree of uh, misplaced nostalgia from Stoke fans about our days in the Championship because uh, I I was there for all of them, and there were some pretty crap uh, <laughs> times in there. Like, I I definitely agree that it's more kind of authentic, and um, the, you get a lot more night games in the championship, I think, as well, which kind of adds to its uh, appeal. Uh, but I th- just the quality of football, certainly right now in the Premier League, is a world apart. Um, you do get some very much exciting games in the Championship, but it's not always because the players are super talented. It's because uh, you've got two like attacking sides who go and slug it out. Um, I do miss a lot of the kind of grounds you'd go to in the Championship and yep. kind of how you seemed a bit closer to the players and stuff. But if if you offered me a choice right now, <laughs> I don't want Stoke to get relegated, so... That's my controversial opinion. 
Like, it, it, it is difficult because, of, well, certainly my memories are just, it's just filled with Championship or Premier League and it is that thing where it's just, it's one or the other really and and I loved, I loved supporting Circling the Championship. I loved waking up uh, on a Sunday watching the highlights early morning. I loved going to, yeah, like Portman Road and I have some great memories obviously being a Southern. I, I didn't get to go to as many games but I mean I probably went to more games in the Championship than I have done in the Premiership, so Premier League, sorry. Um, so there is that level of oh, I remember that time that we beat Norwich five 0 at home and stuff like that. But you're always going to remember the good times more than you remember the the turgid affairs that don't really mean anything. I mean, if you need any proof, um, I think probably that our last game in the Championship probably sums it up. That nil nil against Leicester mm-hmm. uh, on the last day of the season was such an awful, awful game of football. But then you had <laughs> that absolute just joy I just I can still just remember the whole day of just just being so happy or the whole day after the 90 minutes obviously it was just pure joy and getting onto the pitch and stuff so I think that sums up you're never going to get that real excitement I don't think as much that's I don't know just just the attention of the Premier League as as much as we sort of moan about it I just don't think you can beat that I do I do think though as well like this may be just me but Stoke aside, and a few odd teams who I who I will look out for results-wise in the Premier League, I do tend to, as a neutral, enjoy looking at what's happening in the Championship a lot more because it is that league that anything seemingly can happen. And, yeah, and teams re- like really big clubs are who struggle. You have some amazing stories like Huddersfield. I do think it's a league that as a don't get me wrong I don't really want Stoke to go back there uh, but Mm. I do think from an outsider point of view it's quite an interesting league to watch and certainly there is much more up for grabs than I feel there is in the Premier League yeah definitely and like if you gave me the choice of the Sheffield Derby or Liverpool against Brighton I'd go with the (laughs) Sheffield Derby every time because of the championship does like throw up a kind of a lot more of those grudge matches. It seems, and like you said, the the kind of the golfing class isn't anywhere it's like the, the Premier League. So, yeah. yeah, so you so you get proper competitions. You you get you know teams that like Huddersfield, for example, who were battling relegation one year, then going up the next and stuff like that. So definitely better, like from a narrative perspective, a lot. Uh, but championship referees. I mean, we moan about Premier League ones. If, from what I remember, Championship referees absolute garbage, terrifyingly <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've been to a few Sheffield Wednesday games with um, my friend Dan, who produced that podcast we did in Sheffield that time. Uh, and yeah, it is a. It's not a different game, but it's definitely a different feel from. It feels like a quality below, like, and and it's weird saying that because you know I don't think Stoke are particularly quality at the moment, but it is noticeable the difference in pace of the game, even a division below. Oh, I don't know if that says much about Sheffield Wednesday actually, but <laughs> I mean there's a there's a certain argument to suggest, and I heard this the other day that the Premier League is a global league that just happens to be hosted in England whereas the championship is the English Football League um, I don't know whether I necessarily agree with that but there is certainly this there is a, a, a generalised feeling feeling that the championship is 
this authentic hard hitting league and um, maybe that's a bit unfair but and and but even then like it's being dominated by a uh, wolf yeah. side that are loaded with farmers yeah, yeah, yeah. and being pretty much run by this agent bloke so it's not quite as authentic as oh, it's not. you're perhaps led to believe no I think there's, yeah there's definitely a romantic view of the championship and don't get me wrong like there is some absolutely brilliant football played in the championship it's not all like rough and ready and four four two long balls etc there is some very nice football played um, it's, it's, a gr- it's a grass is green on the other side situation and and I'm glad that we've experienced it, um, but do I want to go back to it? No, not at the moment. Probably not yeah. ever, but we inevitably probably will. Yeah. So well, well, let's let's follow that up then with a question from SCFC Josh ninety six, who says, "What's more likely, Stoke winning the Premier League or Stoke dropping out the Football League altogether?" <laughs> uh, no, I think it's quite realistic that we will drop out the Premier League, but. Um, out of the football league, I, I can't see it happening. I th- yeah, I think it's definitely more realistic that we win the Premier League. I, d- I don't think there's been an example of a Premier League era side dropping out of the football league altogether, unless you count uh, what happened with Wimbledon. Yeah. But I don't think that a Premier League side has jo- dropped out of the football league no. altogether. No, even um, like um, Portsmouth. Only yeah, they didn't. They got close to it, but yeah. Um, and there was Leicester recently, so you know, all it might take is like uh, the, the obscenely wealthy uh, Arabona to take us over and do do a Man City with us. So in that sense, it seems a lot more realistic, given the kind of ec- the economic um, inequality of football. The Premier League seems more likely than dropping out the football league altogether. Because have you seen Port Vale? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Arguably, the the sort of situation most likely for to see Stoke getting out of like dropped out of the football league is for us to cease to exist altogether. I, I feel like that's more likely than for us to get relegated three or four mm. times, whatever it is, down out of the football league. I, I just yeah. But it would be yeah. it would be it would be quite good though if you think about it if we won the Premier League like that would be quite like, good wouldn't it guys yeah I mean <laughs> if you think you about it I don't know I don't want to spend too long on this issue mm. but that would <laughs> yeah good it, yeah, yeah it would be, I mean but there but there'd still be fans moaning wouldn't there <laughs> 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 oh goodness me we'll let's move on. Available now on Patreon, Premier League Potters. Dave, myself and others are taking a retrospective and nostalgic look back on Stoke's journey in the Premier League so far. Starting in August 2008, we are reviewing Stoke City's journey from Premier League underdogs to rough and ready hard hitters to Stoke Alona-esque team, all month by month. Relive every transfer, loss and glorious victory. Eulogise about Rory Delap's throw-ins, Matthew Everington's runs and much more. The Premier League Potter series is only available on Patreon to Wizards of Drivel's subscribers. Subscribe for just £3 a month and you too will receive the Premier League Potters and all the other extra podcasts at your fingertips. The Premier League Potters. Subscribe to Patreon now.
All right, uh, let's go with... Ooh, this one then. Who was your favourite non-Stoke footballer <sighs> growing up? I like this question. Uh, I will I will start you off because mine was uh, is a weird one, sort of because um, mine is Henrik Larsson. Uh, oh, that's a good show. It, yeah, I mean, like in hindsight, there are probably better players, but I don't know. There was something I found quite captivating about him. Um, he were well, what he joined Celtic when I was what like seven-ish and. It was just one of those names that you heard of quite a lot, and I don't know. He was on games, and it was it was weird. There was a time he had dreadlocks. He as was well. on games. He was he was on <laughs> games, and like, but no, I remember there was a time where he had, he had like dreadlocks and stuff, and I thought that was yeah. really uh, like you know as he a, was he was a, a cool young, guy. Well, he was just very very different, wasn't he? And I, I really and I he was really, good really at football. Liked him. You oh, haven't yeah, mentioned that yet. Good at football. He was bloody good at football. Like. I'm just I'm, I'm granted it was at Celtic but 174 goals in 221 games that's a nice record like and then he came back didn't he he, he went on loan to United for a little bit like for a yeah. brief for like a few months that's pretty cool what about you Ben it's such a difficult question it? like I mean it spans like an entire lifetime of support of watching football it feels obviously um, I don't know I, I there's so many that I want to mention. I, Roberto Carlos was always... I always loved Roberto Carlos just because he could really thwack a ball really hard and that was always the sort of level that I'd want to reach. Just that amazement of how hard he could hit a football at a free kick was just... I, that's a memory of mine. Um, always been an admirer of Frank Lampard, personally. I think he's a great footballer mm. and just, I think, probably... I've mentioned before on the podcast the type of footballer that I wish I was. Um <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know really. There's just so many names going through my head, and I don't really, I, I don't want to mention them all. But, but yeah, probably Frank Lampard from the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What about you, Dave? Uh, in terms of growing up, um, I think it's between the the kind of the Premier League I watched when Stoke were not in the Premier League is kind of a bit hazy to me. But I just remember loving. Thierry Henry and <laughs> kind of the Arsenal Invincible side like th- this was kind of before we learnt to hate Arsenal really when they were just so good and like amazing to watch and Henri Bergkamp Perez Jungberg Vieira and everyone like that but Henri was just like something else to watch he, he, just, he just was so, so fast he was like <laughs> like the quickest thing you'd ever seen um, but also because um, when you st- when you're first getting into football, you are watching. Uh, certainly, I was watching England, mm. and it's Beckham. Like mm. oh, yeah, he just like he, I mean, he's kind of he was such a superstar and like famous, uh, like all around the world and stuff. But as a player, like I think that game against Greece is probably one of my yeah. earlier football memories outside of Stoke, and just like he was. He never gave anything less than 100%. And, uh, yeah, great guy, Bex. Can't, I think, can't, we'll not hear a word said against him. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think David Beckham for me, and I, I think sort of for our generation, Dave, and probably Chris, well, well I certainly don't, I don't know, I, didn't, I definitely didn't remember that Argentina game where he got sent off. Um, mm. oh. So I think for, for sort of my age group, our age group, realistically, 
David Beckham had just, was just great because of that free kick and just everything else he did was just great. Well, that memory that has, I think, sort of damaged him for a lot of people just didn't happen in our world. So I, I don't really understand it when people don't like David Beckham personally. He's good looking. He can kick a football really lovelily. And, and he's just great. Like, the, the first <laughs> World Cup I remember watching was uh, 2002 uh, in Korea and Japan. And mm. the Argentina game where we get where we win the penalty and he just thwacks it down yeah. the middle, <laughs> like, just that was yeah. Like there's so many players from that World Cup itself that yeah. kind of uh, introduced me to like players outside of Stoke and Suffolk. Ronaldo, yeah. Brazilian Ronaldo, was yeah. just yeah. like wow. Like, yeah. like who is this guy? Um, so he was genuinely amazing. Like Zidane and stuff, and obviously yeah. you get more aware of the the great players of their day, like. Uh, you know, countless uh, Italian players like Maldini and Carlos, who you mentioned, and Figo and Raul, and oh, you know, Figo. Like that, yes, so. yes, Figo's another yes, great shout. Yeah, really Ronaldo. Yeah, I, th- I that that I mean, talking about growing up in football, that World Cup, yeah, definitely was the one. I I think a lot of again, a lot of people my age would just say, oh, do you remember waking up early and going to school on the and watching England mm. in Brazil and that mm. and that kind yeah. of thing? That, talking about and Michael up, Owen. Ooh. Gosh, never liking Michael Owen. Yeah, like Mike. Yeah, Michael Owen was was great back in like ninety eight. Back in those days. But back in. <laughs> Stoke legend I mean, Michael you, Owen. You saying that with a, f- you saying back in days with a big flat cap on. That is the funny. Yeah, like, like can we stop this now? On behalf of my people, can we just stop it? Um, Let's talking uh, about other what, players as well. Like England players. Joe Cole, maybe a bit slightly after that, but always had a soft spot okay. for Joe Cole. Um, yeah, and again, again for that goal against Sweden. Yes, yeah, he- big oh. Heskey as well. You can't, you can't go wrong with I, a bit I, of Heskey. I, I, I think uh, you kind of uh, it helps develop your your footballing intelligence is when you start to appreciate uh, what Emil Heskey does on a football pitch. Like, so <laughs> growing growing up, growing up, like it, when you're like really young, you might think Heskey doesn't score goals; he's rubbish. <laughs> and, then, and then when you start to get slightly bit older, it's like, oh look, he's just held the ball up for Michael Owen there. I like Heskey now, so it's it's, it's that kind of learning to uh, like see things beyond just like goals and shots and stuff. Yeah, I I I, I miss feeling that way about players, though. You know, like just blissful ignorance and just being in awe of their stardom like mm. I kind of yeah I miss that let's let's, I have let's that right move on De Bruyne so and I think most other people <laughs> like that yeah yeah it's there are it Charlie Adam <laughs> <laughs> oh my god right uh, next question Ooh, I don't know where to go um, if you could take one thing from any other sport in the world and put it into football, what would it be? I think Ooh. I've got quite a good answer for this one. Okay, um, not to change. build my part up, but like the the classic kind of answer in this scenario is usually something from rugby that people want to uh, borrow, like sin bins or uh, respecting the referee and all that all that rubbish. Um, <laughs> So, but I, I thought about like like what elements of other sports, and I thought about other sports I like and what I like about those other sports, and I thought like something that the sport of football can take from cricket is the commentary 
I think that Test Match Special is the absolute pinnacle of sports broadcasting in the world ever. And it's because they take their time, they don't take it, like, uber seriously, they're not shouting and screaming their head off like, you know, your, your football commentators do. If football commentary was like TMS, just civilised, they had cake and tea, and they just <laughs> chatted, they're just chatting with each other, they'll tell you what what's going on that's actually of importance, but anything else, you're just settling in, you can just relax and just enjoy and let it wash over you, and not have, like... Alan Green on Five Live, going absolutely berserk at everything. You don't need that. It doesn't need to be so high octane. Just get Jonathan Agnew and Jeffrey Boycott on the uh, FA Cup final this year, and just see how it goes. My dad would absolutely love that. Love, love that answer. He he loves watching match today. <laughs> it's a very dad answer. It's, it is a dad answer. He <laughs> he loves saying, "Oh, Coventry is is, is gone down the hill." It's, it never used to be like this. So he absolutely love that answer. And I, I love that answer. I think there'd be a market for that. It's just it's never going to happen because of the way rights are done. It it's the kind of it's sort of what you're saying is a, a more civilized version of when they have the World Cup, the alternative World Cup commentaries. I think Scott Mills and Chris Stark or whatever he's called has done it a couple of times, but just. Maybe a slight, a bit more intelligence than that, and then yeah, I, just don't take it so seriously. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think honestly, I think there would be a huge, huge market for that. It, yeah, great idea. I love that. I love we that should, answer. We should, we should do that. Should we do that for the World Cup as the Wizards of Drivel? Just do like Wizards Match Special or something. Just he would just oh, come round my house for cake. It would get listens. It would honestly. There's money here. <laughs> let, let it, pff, write it down. <laughs> That's my second Dragon's Den idea. <laughs> I mean, in I'd gone for an idea. It's probably not going to be too popular, and it would have to be changed all around the world in order to avoid <laughs> people taking advantage. But I quite like the idea. You know, like the NBA has a salary cap, mm. in which that you are, as a team, you are allowed to spend up to a certain point. Uh, but like you can't spend anything over that. I quite like the idea of that, where because the the point of it would be that the best players in the world would still command the largest wage and the largest fees, and so it would potentially stop one team being able to stockpile all the best best players. Um, I realise it's completely unrealistic because like you would have to have that rule enforced across the world, and can't see FIFA. Uh, yeah. limiting the money in the game that would be madness I, I think that yeah the fundamental flaw is that people in football like money yes yes definitely but I mean in terms of evening the playing field uh, it, I, I don't know I like the idea of it um, yeah. we've got a few more questions let's hey, fire hey, through I haven't some. answered the question have you not yeah. go on then Ben throw it here my my answer, I've got two. I've got two sort of answers, and actually, the the sports that you two have mentioned. I mean, the one thing that I would love to see, and I know that Dave has mentioned this before. We've talked about it. Is just a bit more integration at a football game would be great. I love the fact that at cricket you can sit with whatever, whoever's touring England, whatever, and have a nice time. I think that's great, and I think this 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 whole. I know rivalries are great, and and they'll make sports more fascinating but are they always necessary that's the question do you need to segregate Stoke v Brighton probably not um, and, and yada 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 whatever the other answer would be on a sort of more NBA thing where it's basketball 
a few, as I know that Chris, you've sort of gone into it and Dave a bit, maybe a bit more as well. And I, I basically I watch it every day now. I watch highlights because it is constant action, and I love that in a way that it, the teams hardly give a toss about defending. Sometimes it seems. I mean, I don't really understand basketball that much. I just watch it because there's a lot going on. And sometimes football, I think, could do could do with that. I've watched a lot of football games where just nil nil for ages. I mean, we went to Tranmere the other week, and it was. No one could score a goal. Just make the goals bigger or something. Just let's have just have a bit, <laughs> a tiny bit more action in football. Added in time, multi-ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just do just something. Just so those when it's nil-nil for like seventy minutes and and people have paid their fair money for a game. Just make something happen, please. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the idea. Um, right. A few more questions. Uh, we'll try and be brief, although some of them are quite complex in what they're saying. Like this one. It, it's actually been in the news today about Bet365, but is it morally right to be owned and operated by a betting company? Now, it's a very interesting one because this this came up in an article, didn't it, the other day, yeah. where football fans mm. will... They will, will turn they will, a blind eye. Yes, they'll forgive a lot of things. Doings. Yes, they'll forgive a lot if it's their own club. Now, obviously, we had uh, when we when we announced the partnership with St. Pauli in the summer, there was a few concerned voices from uh, from their end about Stoke are owned by a, a betting company. I mean, it's a very on, on the one yeah. hand, the like the 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 libertarian in me was is like you know people are free to do what they wish, and mm. but on the other hand, it is a very painful vice and hurts a lot of people often the most poor and vulnerable in our society is it the right thing to be plastered everywhere in a on a match day let alone to own a team and use it as a use the football team as a vehicle to advertise your company i don't know what do you think i think those anxious concerned noises you've been making there are just about sum it up really i mean i i am walking a similar kind of moral tightrope if you like that um in terms of like this is i'm not saying like the Coates family or even bet 365s as a company are bad people i don't think that's fair i think they've like bet 365 think how many people that's employed in so on trent think of all the good it's done uh in terms of you know for the stoke on trent economy think of all the good Peter and his family have done for the club for local charities for, for you know countless other things and I don't doubt their ethics one second but and also you know we are owned by a betting company we could be owned by a you know a Russian businessman with money in abhorrent places that could be owned by a a regime from a country that does bad things you know we've we've seen examples in the premier league of that mm-hmm. but i i think it's not something we like talking about the stoke fans whenever this topic does come up this kind of gets like shushed and you know just um all the good sides about the coach farming stuff will get brought up but i am i am uncomfortable with it to an extent because of the damage that gambling does you know we could be owned by a, a famous brewer you know and i think people would perhaps be more comfortable with that if it was like someone who made the money from alcohol or something mm. but that simply destroys lives as well so it's just it's an it's the awkward 
um, moral relativism of moral, of modern football. It's like mm. it's not the worst position to be in, but it's certainly not the best. No, Ben, how do you feel? No, yeah, I think David summed that up rather brilliantly and eloquently there. I, th- I think it's something that's definitely been on my mind in the past and, and in the present and probably in the future as well because it is awkward. It is that awkward thing. And, and I read that article, and I, I'm sure some listeners didn't didn't read it, and I read it, and, it, and basically at the end um, it sort of mentions Stoke being owned by a owned by Bet365 and, and Stoke fans sort of turning a blind eye or whatever. And, and that riled me a bit and I was like no, it's, it's fine I don't turn about and, and, and I think that sort of proves that point that it is it is that awkward and it's like I don't want it to be awkward but it is because betting is bad <laughs> like if we could have simplified <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason there's a reason we're not allowed to put Bet365 on children's shirts yeah. yes. which yeah. seems a bit silly when they go to the stadium and everything's Bet365 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 Ray Winston's head's popping up it, out the ground and, yeah. and stuff like that but um I suppose, it's, I suppose you you might just say it's a free country, you know, you can do what you want, people are responsible for their own actions and mm. and that's all fine, but you know, um I don't I personally would not like to make my money out of mm. out of that, no matter how good a person I thought I was, I I'd be <laughs> Uncomfortable making money off other people's misery, which does happen in gambling. Not not universally, but does happen. Oh, of course it of course it does, and it's a um, a huge problem for for people suffering with addiction. It's and I, I mean this doesn't uh, lessen the fact that being owned by Bet Three Six Five is morally ambiguous. But like I think. Actually, yeah, mod- that, that's it's ambiguous. Yeah, I, I, but I think modern football as a whole is like you—you you only have to scratch at the surface to see the levels that's of the thing. That's corruption and a little like bit. Can, like, I mean, we can pick on this point when there's so much else going on. I think that's a I great mean, point. It, it, and, exactly. And the, like, the pervasiveness of the gambling industry as a whole in football is general. It's not just limited to Stoke and Bet365 by any stretch. You mean, how many football matches do you watch where just both teams will be sponsored by a betting company? There'll be adverts all around the yeah. side of the pitch. Half time, like five different gambling companies will be trying to sell you something. Mm-hmm. And it's Football's got a, uh, a broader relationship with that that it wants to tackle before it gets into like individual companies, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, let's move on. Um, another relatively big one off the pitch. What do you feel Stoke could do to improve itself? Um, now, obviously, as a club, we do quite a lot of things that are really, really good. I think our community program is uh, one of the best. You know, yeah, we mm. we do some really, really good work. But this is a topic that we've often had off off recording um, about areas of the club that frustrate us. So, like. Where where would you improve? Either um, <laughs> I, I yeah. First of all, I want to like completely agree with that point about the kind of the community work and that the the giving shirts to every year two. I think it was in Stoke on Trent. That's just a fantastic initiative, and it's just like it's such good business sense as well that I'm amazed mm-hmm. like more clubs haven't done that. Um, and also uh, like things like the free away travel, which. I don't pers- I've never personally like used that service because I live ninety miles away and and like uh, it's only really people in Stoke on Trent who'd, who'd be able to really benefit from free away travel. But that's still a great initiative, and I'm glad we do it. 
Um, in terms of stuff I think should be better, I think this is more just, this isn't really something the club can really change, but our stadium is a bit of a joke. Not in terms of like uh, how it looks or anything, how it's located. Um, and anyone who's ever driven away from the Bet365 stadium knows it's an absolute hellhole in terms of match day traffic. It's like <laughs> completely isolated at the end of this massive long road. There's 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 nowhere really uh, next to it. Like like we said, well, we want a Greg's and a Wagamama's and stuff. Like bloody hell, do we? Because it's just, it's just when the ground is so isolated like that, you need kind of other distractions and maybe just another pub closer to the ground would be massively beneficial and the better like public transport connections as well would definitely help because it is crazy around there and when you think that you know Stoke-on-Trent is a city if the it just it's it's a broader point about out of town grounds being stupid and like not being a fun match day experience as well I think what we perhaps could do is do some kind of fan zone, fan park mm. thing to keep people around the ground before and after the game because just Delilah's on its own is not going to cut it for a lot of people. They're not going to pay two quid to go in a bar where it's four quid a pint. So if we could have a little... Like when we went to Sunderland, Chris, we saw this. Yeah, there yeah. was there was beer tents. There was like stalls for the fanzines. There were stalls where they're selling... Uh, club shop merchandise and that was Sunderland you know it's not like we've it's like like an NFL game or something it was Sunderland v Stoke and that's an out of town ground but I've managed to keep people uh, around the ground long enough because they've got other things on mm-hmm. and it given the massive traffic congestion at Stoke it just makes sense to to do more to keep people in the area Certainly. Yeah. Ben, definitely. Ben, how do you feel? No, I mean, we, as you mentioned, we've talked about this a lot, but in the past, and and I don't want to sort of bring up rehash old sort of problems and acts about various teams in the in within the club. But I think a point that Dave brought up earlier is was the fact, that, unrelated really, but the fact that that connection with the players was felt a lot more in the Championship than potentially now. And I think in this day and age. That doesn't really make much sense, considering if you look at someone like Man City's YouTube channel, you always have interviews and stuff yeah. with the players, and I just think get, getting that connection with the players would be so easy um, with with video and whatever, and it's something that everyone wants. And I know it's been said before, and it's quite boring to say, but I just think just getting that connection with players and, and sort of getting to know them in a way through the use of social media would really help the club, because it... I think it would dispel all the rumours potentially about these falling outs or whatever or people don't get along or whatever because you'll you'll see it a bit more. You'll see them actually probably getting along most of the time, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And it would just... It would, I think it would maybe help to bring back that sort of feel-good aura around Stoke because you, the whole fact... We want to support the club, we want to support the players, we want to get to know them in a way and I think that would that would be helped by that sort of connection if we could if we could do yeah. that. A sort of whole digital marketing arm is is pretty much uh, one or two guys working very very hard with limited resources. And you think we've been a Premier League club for ten years, and like it, it was different for us. But if you're a kid 
like going to Stoke now, mm. and you don't have that connection with Jordan Shakiri or Jack Butland or something, but you know, just like the club puts out a three-minute YouTube video of Jack Butland doing something daft with a fan or something, then you've got that yeah. connection to mm-hmm. them, and it, it it seems like wasted opportunities really for uh, Stoke just to do it, just to do a bit more mm. stuff on the kind of social media it, video side. Yeah. Um, I know it's not like super important or anything. It's not. Uh, you, no, you know. but but it is, isn't it? Because like, it's this is the twenty first century now, and that is how you stay yeah. connected to your next generation of fans. Like, it's all well and good providing shirts for year twos, which is like no work. Like that's that is absolutely brilliant. But how you keep them coming? Maintain because then they're not. Then yeah, yeah. How you maintain them is you you make them ever present in ways well in the arenas where these people are children are playing and watching videos and all that type of stuff like you you need it's it's branding isn't it more than anything and mm-hmm. like it, it there is a certain feeling that as a club we are rather reactive rather than um than than planning for the future this is, i mean no criticism to those who do the job because Obviously, it's a small team and they are doing the best that they can. Let's. We've got two more questions. We will keep them relatively brief. Let's go with... With Eric Peters making some fancy moves in reality TV over the last week, uh, which other Stoke stars could you see moving into reality TV and what shows could you see them on? Ooh... I'm going to open with one that I think will be realistic, and that is Peter Crouch will do uh, Strictly Come Dancing at some point after he's retired. <laughs> yeah. Well, his, his wife has won it, hasn't she? So I think uh, a, cert, a certain era of uh, Crouch dominance over that uh, TV show. It's like, like the Clintons in US politics, like this, uh, <laughs> this legacy. Yes, of course, of course. Um I haven't got anything written down because I for, I forgot to come come back to this question. Um, well, that's fine. I would I would suggest uh, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here, and I would uh, I'd want to see how Charlie Adam would get on in <laughs> because because he's such a good influence on the younger lads. It'd be nice to see that you know happen. Uh, so you... we can see for ourselves how much of a good influence he is. I... He'd he'd be on telly, which he he likes very much. He's always on the telly, so that's nice for him. Um, I, I, I was going to say more he'd, Charlie he'd Adam on Love away. Island, personally. Uh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie Adam, Charlie, on, Adam, Love Charlie Adam on the on the island. <laughs> I think that sort of that laddie banter that he has would really he'd really fit in with those other laddie banter lads <laughs> that that are on the Love Island. So. <laughs> Yeah. Can you imagine Charlie Adam on having an Instagram account being like, use this energy drink or whatever they do, I don't know, it's sponsored sort of. <laughs> this brain can plus. is great. Brain Force Plus. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's uh, that's that one. Uh, and we'll finally, we'll f- bring it full circle, we'll uh, talk about something Stoke-related in the present. This is from at Mark M223 on Twitter. He says, is there any possibility that we might start playing more attacking football and lose, but know we still tried to win and not sit back all the time? 
essentially, do, do you guys see us changing back to that attacking style at any point? No. No. And that's it for this week's episode. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Is that like... Are we are we destined to go back to why why to why why would way? we why would we now I don't see it under Mark Hughes changing personally I mean Crouchy's Crouchy's starting next next week isn't he so uh, yeah. I mean which I'm not opposed to but did you yeah. did you guys see the possession uh, stats that were flying around the internet the other day where it was uh, the last two <laughs> years of Tony Pulis flying <laughs> <Sorry>. everywhere yeah. <laughs> It was it was the the last two years of Tony Pulis and then the seasons under Mark Hughes and it's like Tony Pulis forty two forty three percent Mark Hughes it goes like fifty fifty two fifty five and then back down and we're now at like forty three percent possession so straight back where we were with Tony Pulis. It's a brave new world, Chris. Got to get on board. Stop being a bloody Ramona. <laughs> <laughs> this is Brexit ball. <laughs> Oh my goodness me! This is like question time, isn't it? Really? Oh. Yeah, we, yeah. We just need like uh, more offensive questions and people applauding at nothing. I hate <laughs> that program. I just I hate question time. Yeah. I like this one though. This one was very fun. It, it, well, it was, and we'll we'll be coming back next week and talking about possibly losing to Palace. That'll be fun. Um, Dave, you're going to go away and hide again for a little bit, I think. Yeah, definitely. After this one. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go into hiding. Someone will take objection to my views. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be back uh, probably week after next. I don't know. See how I feel. <laughs> Fair enough. Might not Fair be enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been it's been nice to have you have you back to answer some questions, Ben. It's nice to have you again. Maybe let's make it a hat trick next week of uh, weeks Maybe. on the trot. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yes, that's going to wrap it up for this week. I think we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wizards of Dribble podcast. If you like what you hear and have not done so already, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Acast, or wherever you got your podcasts from. Like us a lot? Then please tell your friends and family about us, or even leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help the podcast grow. You can follow the pod at Wizards of Drivel on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel, and subscribe for all extra podcasts at patreon.com. Thanks once again for listening. Go on, Stoke.